There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. And helping us move from awareness to action this week is Michael Soto. He is the executive director of Equality Arizona, leading a statewide team working to build the political power of LGBTQ plus Arizonans in social, civic, and economic life. Welcome, Michael. Hi, George. Hey, Centauri. It's nice to see you both. Nice to see you. Michael is a returning guest to the show. That was probably a couple of years ago, huh? Yeah, it was a bit ago. Yeah, I had a great time the first time, so I'm excited to be with you all again. It's going to be good. It's going to be or, good or it could have just been in 2019 and the uh, time warp that we've been experiencing in 2020. <laughs> is... <laughs> that could be too. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a little while ago. All right, so excited to talk about what it means to be transgender uh centauri why don't we get started i i kicked us off last time talking about what it means to be a black man and uh i'm gonna let you kick us off this time so um the the big thing that we want to kind of jump off with is george and i kind of discussing like our thoughts on that particular identity so um for the question really is is like what first comes to mind when i think of the the phrase transgender um and i think for me it's still as much work as I've done in the LGBTQ space, I still feel like I don't know enough. Um, so I'd say, Michael, you're probably the only trans person that I know uh, or that I'm close with, right? And I feel like I still haven't done enough on my end to connect with you to kind of understand what that identity looks like. So for me, I think the first thing that comes to mind is still kind of bewilderment, curiosity. Um, as, we were, as we were prepping for the show, I, I asked Michael to extend us some mercy and grace because I think there's going to be some times where we just kind of like have a step on some landmines because they're just not sure. And I'm excited to have the conversation um, because of all the, all the things said above. What about you, George? Certainly I, I, I echo all those things. My, I think that, that my heart goes out to, to people that, that if they are struggling with it, because I, 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 I cause I, 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 I think I know, I know how hard it is for me to come to terms with my identity, right? And that's as a 41-year-old, 41-year-old, let alone when I was a teenager. So if I were in a body that I felt wasn't the right body for me, wow, that, that'd be just awful. So, yeah. so hard and so frustrating. So I, 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 I guess when I think about that and I think about putting myself in somebody else's shoes who's experiencing it, my, my, my heart certainly goes out to them. So. Absolutely. So for 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 you, Michael, do you have do you have thoughts on that, Michael? Yeah, um, reactions, reflections. I'm curious, of, like, how did we do there? <laughs> great. I think, yeah, I mean, I think for you know folks who aren't trans, that's these are really common questions and thoughts, right? Because how do you understand an experience that isn't yours? It's really hard, <laughs> and there still aren't a lot of narratives or stories. Um, about trans people in our society, right? We're just sort of starting to see kind of minor characters pop up in television series and movies. And, you know, these aren't really common narratives yet. And so I think that's, you know, your experience is super common um, and something that um, what trans people call uh, cisgender people, right? It's people who aren't trans. It's a common um, experience that you're having and lots of questions. Curiosity is good, right? You want to understand an experience that you don't have. And so... That, those are all good things. So I'm excited to, to chat about uh, what being trans is for me and some wider things about the community. And I'm excited to have that conversation with you guys. Let's just jump into it. What does it mean to you? Yeah, what, does what does it, it mean, mean to me? What, and how often, like, how often is it top of mind for you? Oh, great questions. So, um, you know, I, I didn't hear the word trans or transgender until I was 19 years old. So, uh, you know, I was, that was in 1999. So it was very much not a common phrase then. I grew up in an LDS family, very different uh, world than I live in today. And so I didn't know what that meant until I met a trans person for the first time. And she was telling us her story. It was a part of an LGBTQ college group. 
and she was talking about her coming out story and kind of started, you know, sort of dropping some different hints around gender that I still probably wasn't fully picking up and sort of ended her story by, you know, really saying that she is a trans woman and, you know, kind of talking about the whole process and a light bulb just went off in my head where I was like, oh my gosh, there's a name for who I am, right? There's a name for people that the gender you were assigned at birth that your parents told you you were, that the doctor said you were, doesn't fit, doesn't feel right, you know? And so for me, that was just a aha moment of, wow, I had no idea. And I felt a lot of relief um, when I found out that there was a community of people who experienced the same thing I did um, and that it wasn't just me, right? And so that was that was a big moment for me. I felt a lot of happiness, a lot of relief, a lot of excitement, a little bit of fear because, right, coming out is always a big deal and sort of investigating um, the community and getting to know um, people in that community and in the trans community and getting to know sort of the process of what does it mean to be trans and how do you go about this? Um, that was a little intimidating at first, but, and really different then than it is today. Thank, and thankfully it's different today. Um, but yeah, that, um, you know, that word, it means a lot to me because it's, um, it's who I am, you know, it is a defining characteristic for me and my life. Um, I'm very out so that, you know, I can be a part of a generation of people that makes it easy for kids to come out, for parents to be accepting, right, for people to even know what this is before they're an adult. So they have the opportunity to, to live authentically as much of their lives as possible. And so um, for me, it, you know, being trans is top of mind um, all the time because also because of the work that I do. Um, so I'm always thinking of the impact that policy and legislation and different things are gonna have, um, elections will have on the entire LGBTQ community, including the trans community. Um, but it also, you know, it's how I experience the world. And even though I've um, clearly been on hormones for a really long time and, um, you know, pass in a lot of context, um, it's still something that I'm always thinking about because um, I was raised to behave in a gendered way in a really different way than I'm expected to behave now. And so mm. that's always something that's all I'm always thinking about too, right? Um, which I think can translate into a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome sometimes and not being sure if I'm like responding, you know, the way or knowing I'm not responding the way that a cisgender man would and knowing that that's outing me and some ways. Mm. So, yeah. Michael, you talk about um, you talk about passing, and it's so interesting because I think I don't think I realized until maybe like a year into our working relationship that you were trans, right? And it might just oh, be wow. because I just didn't pay attention or I just didn't listen. Um, but I think I remember we were we were actually meeting at back when it was um, Paradise Bakery at the Biltmore, and you mentioned yeah. something, and I was like, "Wait, what? Did I get that wrong?" And so, if you could just talk a little bit more about like how open um, and forthcoming you are in just like initial meetings or, cause I, I'm always curious about how do you navigate that world if you're, if it's just really obvious to folks. Yeah, I, I try to be super open. Um, I also, you can Google my name and find out that I'm trans. So there's uh, there's no real hiding it. So <laughs> I, uh, I try to tell people as soon as possible. Um, and um, I think I probably assumed because we were on the EQAZ board together that you knew. And so I probably didn't announce it there because I assume people knew. Um, but I definitely, you know, I try to, and it's easy with the kind of work I do. I can usually work it into a conversation real quick, <laughs> you know, like this is the kind of work I do and this is the kind of person I am. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I try to, I think it's good to be someone who people see as, um, you know, a trans person living their sort of best life in the world and doing work they're passionate about and having a wonderful community of friends and family with them. And that's a, that's a really good thing, I think. Um, and I, I have heard from parents, from kids that I've met when they were kids, some are now adults, um, you know, being like, I couldn't see a future for myself um, or for my child until I met you or I met other trans people. Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't afraid for them anymore, right? Because you're doing the things you want to in life, you're pursuing you know, whether that's school and work or personal life, you're pursuing all the things that make you happy. Um, and you're just a person, right? You're just a successful person in the world who's, um, you know, defining their life and pursuing their dreams and their own personal successes and learning from their personal failures in the way that everybody does. And so um, for me, I found it super important um, just to, to let 
you know, people know who I am. Um, I think that's changed a lot for the trans community because actually in order to transition decades ago, you had to um, want to pass and want to not tell people. And um, that was actually a part of the goal, right? Was um, And this was when there were a whole lot more medical and psychiatric barriers um, to the transition process. But a part of that had to be, uh, or was, that you had to have the goal of being a heterosexual person, one, um, and of passing as a not trans person, as a cis person. So, so you mentioned, thank you for sharing all that. You, you mentioned yeah. that, that you were 19 when you first heard the term. Mm-hmm. When did, when did you know when, mm. when you were like 10, eight, five, one, 15? That's a great question. Um, my very first memories of gender are knowing that I was a boy and then having the world and my parents and our church tell me I wasn't. And so every Sunday growing up was a fight in my family because there was uh, attempts to get me to wear dresses and me ripping them off and rebelling against that and, <laughs> you know, us just having really wild Sunday mornings. Um, <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't feel okay. Um, and I didn't feel like that was who I was. And also I didn't have the words to tell my parents that, nor would that possibly have gone over well <laughs> at, in the eighties <laughs> in an LDS family. <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, my parents, both of them, um, have apologized, um, as adults because, you know, and just said, we had no idea. Like we've, we had never heard of a trans person until you came out. Right. Like we didn't, we had no idea that we were failing you, you know, as a child and we would have done things differently had we known, you know, like if we were doing that over today, we would have done things differently. And so, um, yeah, my, you know, I, I was convinced I was going to grow up to be Superman when I was a little kid. And, you know, I did sort of all the boy things. And uh, my mom babysat for a while, um, sort of as the way that she uh, earned income and spent all my time with the, the other boys, right? And um, that was always something that was really confusing for my parents. And they didn't quite understand why I didn't like girl things and didn't identify with girl things. Um, but that never changed for me. That was, you know, just true sort of all growing up at a certain point. Um, I like to call my middle school and high school years, my drag years, because there's a lot of pressure to conform in terms of gender in those years. Um, and my parents had all sorts of expectations. And so that I had learned by that point that the more I resisted, the more intense <laughs> sort of their want for me to fit those things was. And so, you know, it was, I, I certainly tried to fit into their expectations, but it always felt wrong. It always felt bad. Um, you know, it was always something that caused uh, feelings of shame and feeling like I was being forced to perform and fit into something that just didn't, just wasn't who I was. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I would, uh, look into the mirror and say my dead name, my birth name over and over to try to make it fit. And it never felt like I was actually saying my own name. Um, so those were interesting experiences to have and also have no language for what was happening. Right. So during your drag years, you were wearing women's clothes? Um, well, as little as possible, certainly, but my mom certainly uh, wanted me to wear dresses and those kinds of things to dance to school dances and those kinds of things. But, um, I wore mostly sweatpants, I think, through both uh, middle school and high school. Uh, I was also an athlete, so that made it easier. I could sort of wear, you know, like jock clothes, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, to special occasions and those kinds of things, um, you know, but those were always also a fight because my mom had all these wonderful memories and my dad had wonderful memories right, of sort of their high school experiences. And I would just be like angry or in tears because I didn't want to go and do those things. <laughs> and so, yeah. Mike, Certainly Michael as, as, I was go just going to ask Michael, um, one of the things I think our listeners really need to understand is like, as George kind of alluded to, being in an identity or being forced into an identity that you just do not believe in or just you know that that's not you. Kind of talk to us about, like, especially when you're in high school, man. Like, high school's already rough for everyone, yeah. but then having yeah. to go through that, maybe um, just give our listeners a little bit uh, around, like, what was the mental state? How did it feel? What, were, what was kind of in your mind at that time? You know, it was rough. I mean, we all know, right? High school, middle school, those are rough years for everybody. And so certainly feeling like nobody actually sees you for who you are and that it's 
having a sense that it's not safe to be different. I think it's always hard to be different in high school and middle school. Um, but in a time when like there wasn't like really internet, right? Like we didn't <laughs> we didn't have those access to those kinds of things in the way that we do now. We didn't have cell phones, right? And so there was no sense of this is there's a whole community of people in the world that are this. I just felt alone and like I was different than everybody else, right? And so um, I did know that I I always had a sense of. Um, that my parents and that our church and that our community felt that was wrong to be different in the ways that I felt different, even though I didn't have language for them. And so, you know, high school for me was about getting to college and like, I literally had <laughs> very little social life. I did not date. I didn't do any of those things. And I was just like, I know that if I want to figure this out, I have to get away from my family and my community and have to get to a place where I'm safe on my own as an adult to figure it out. And so I just kind of locked those feelings down and I played every sport I could. I was an exceptional student like, you know, I was like, this is how I'm getting to school. I'm getting a scholarship. I'm getting out of here and then I'll deal with this. Um, and so that was my motivation. I was just like, I don't get to figure out or be who I am until that, you know, a time when I'm on my own and you know can figure can have that space to figure it out but that wasn't easy you know that was definitely hard um that definitely put a hamper on relationships you know and friendships because i never felt like i could actually be myself or bring my true self to those things michael you mentioned that your parents have apologized to you Mm-hmm. Do you do you resent them? Have 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 have, have you forgiven them? Did, did did you feel the need to forgive them? Yeah, I definitely felt the need to forgive them. Um, when I came out, uh, they both sort of stepped out of my life for about ten years, and so oh. um, I, my dad wow. at the time. Uh, disallowed me from having contact with anyone in his family, including my little brothers um, and my older brother. Um, so there was a lot of damage that was done, um, certainly, but we did repair that damage, you know, and have uh, my dad just passed away. Um, sorry to hear that. Thank you. Uh, but sorry, still a little emotional about it. Um, sure. But, you know, they both have become sort of two of my biggest allies, you know, and they really took the opportunity of not understanding the trans community to step up, you know, and to, to learn, to learn from my experience, to ask me questions, um, to meet friends and to engage with people in a way that, um, showed what they had learned, you know, and to be a resource for other people. And so, um, I'm really proud of them for stepping up to a challenge, right. And stepping up to get to know me as a person and realize that I am the person that they raised me to be <laughs> just you know, slightly different look, different on the outside. Right. <laughs> and so um, that has always been a, it's been a nice thing that we sort of came to understand about each other is that there's nothing different about the values or the person that they hoped I would grow up to be in the world other than I have a beard. <laughs> and so, you know, and then my, <laughs> my gender identity is a little different than they expected, but they're okay with it at this point. And we have a, you know, both my dad and I, before he passed, and my mom, my mom actually lives with me because she isn't well. Um, but she, uh, her turning point was when I had top surgery, and she took care of me during that time and helped me through that process. It's kind of a gruesome process afterwards. There's mm-hmm. lots of fluids and stuff that have to be changed regularly and things that have to be emptied, and she did that. And uh, I think that she saw how happy I was after that and how unhappy I was before that. Um, and that totally changed her, what, how she saw me, right? There's sort of a, a pre that moment and after that moment. And now she doesn't even use female pronouns or anything like that. Doesn't even hesitate when she talks about my childhood. She just talks about me as her son and me being a boy. And it, that just totally shifted for her. Nice. So gender identity is different than sexual orientation. Can I ask you what your sexual orientation is? Uh, queer. I'm um, not really. I, I'm attracted to people for being people that they are, <laughs> and not uh, based on their gender. Really, um, I've dated women and men who are cisgender, women and men who are transgender, um, people in between. So, um, yeah. Fair enough. Thank you. Yeah. Is is that is 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 that the appropriate term? Sexual orientation. 
Yeah, for for who you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. Yes. So sexual orientation is our romantic and sexual attractions and attachments to other people, and genders our internal sense of who we are. Um, and so, yep. Got it. And I know that Centauri had uh, had used the term transgendered, and that's not the correct term. <laughs> Throw me over so the bus. shame I'm, on I'm you, ignorant. Centauri. I'm I mean, the insensitivity I'm, level is at like an eleven. I am admitting my ignorance. So, Michael, <laughs> set the story straight for me. <laughs> so that transgendered was a term that was used actually a lot in the 90s. So you're just in the 90s. So it's okay. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely fallen out of fashion as we know language evolves, right? And so um, that that term kind of more implies like just from a grammatical sense that being trans is like a verb and that there's a distinct before and after. Mm. And people don't, the trans community increasingly, I think a lot of people don't have that experience because they're able to come out at a really young age um, and be supported throughout their lives. Um, And that's sort of just not how the community sees itself anymore. So that was sort of more during the time when um, passing was the goal, right, and was mandated by medical professionals that were helping you. Um, And so it was kind of a, a different feeling and sense of the community's identity. And so today, just transgender um, without the ED on the end or trans is a good umbrella term that um, just categorizes a really big, diverse community of people that experience gender in ways that's different than cisgender people. Um, And so that's kind of the simple definition of being trans today is that, you know, we're people that are um, gender that we were assigned at birth does not match with um, who we are authentically, who, who, what our internal sense of gender and gender identity is. And so that's, that's a simple way to remember that is just, you know, it's just a simple umbrella term. Um, when we're talking about individuals and not a group of people, um, it's the way to use it as, as an adjective. And so I'm a transgender man or a trans man. Um, and so, um, you know, just like we wouldn't say, um, Italian American, we say Italian American, right? And so, so easy way. I can remember this. Yes. Yes. There we go. (laughs) It's okay. It's language shifts and evolves. Right. And it's just like, um, the singular use of pronoun of, uh, they as a pronoun is, you know, increasingly, uh, popular now that wasn't true, you know, when, when I came out in the nineties. Right. (laughs) And so we all have to adapt and grow and, and learn how people are using language today. Michael, I'd love um, if you'd indulge me to ask maybe another ignorant and possibly controversial question. Ask um, away. Which is, uh, you talked about um, uh, trans folks coming out at a young age. Have you given thought around kind of, I, I don't want to say what's appropriate, but what seems to be the, the, the best, best, best practices or what does the community feel like is the right age or is it all just up to you and your family? I, I'm curious about what that looks like in any different household. Such a great question, um, and something that I get a question I get from a lot of parents, right, whose kids um, are starting to say that they don't identify as the gender they are have been assigned, right? Certainly not in those words, <laughs> but you know, in the words of four-year-olds and five-year-olds, which is a different language. Um, you know, my my best advice to parents is trust your kids um, and believe them. Um, and also follow their lead to some extent, right? Like there's nothing wrong with kids of any gender playing with toys of multiple genders, right? Like that can be a good thing for all kids. Like let kids show you where their interests are and support them in that. And you don't have to make radical changes, right? Until, until kids tell you that's who they are, right? And they, the thing with gender identity is that it forms super young in human beings. And so um, we, pretty much all of us, you know, have a deep sense of our gender identity when we're little and when we're between three and six, really. Um, and so that's, it's, it isn't a leap to ask folks and to ask parents to trust their kids as they're going through that gender, like formation process, um, to trust their kids and to let them, you know, go where they're gonna go and, when they're ready, they're going to tell you because there's one, a lot more trans kids in the world today um, that are out and able to be out than there were when I was a kid. Um, And they're going to be able to tell you, you know, what's happening for them in a way that if you're willing to listen, you can then figure out how to support them and go through that process. There's, there's no other than that of trusting your kids and listening to them. There's no one way 
um, to support your kids because that's up to you and your child and what they're comfortable with. And, you know, some kids might want to wear different clothing at home but don't want to wear it at school because they're afraid of bullying. Other kids are like, no, I want to wear that clothing and, you know, make that transition, that social transition right now. And that's okay. So, um, but just being aware of that, you know, for your kids and listening to what they're comfortable with and, and working them out with them, right? Our jobs, uh, the job of parents is to guide children safely through childhood, right? And so it's listening to them and then helping them make the best decision possible um, that will keep them safe and healthy. Um, but we know that, you know, not being able to be who we are increases suicidality and increases depression and all of those negative factors that, that actually lead to kids not completing high school, not, you know, being able to go on to college or whatever um, they're passionate about in life and lead successful careers and develop successful families. And so it's really important to support kids um, and to listen to them. Thanks for that. That's a, a really, really exceptional answer. Thank you for that. Um, I think you said a lot of really important stuff there. And I've got a, a soon-to-be four-year-old and a soon-to-be one-year-old. And yeah, I think that's my job to help guide these kids safely to becoming productive adults and, 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 yes. and happy, ha- happy people. Um, so <clears throat> you, you, you mentioned a social transition. Is mm-hmm. that, is, can, 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 can you define that for me? And then you've said yeah. passing a couple of times. If you could define that for me too, please. You got it. So social transition is, Um, It's basically the transition of uh, your name, your pronouns, um, the way you dress sometimes for some people, either all the time or some of the time. Um, So it's really assuming a different gender expression in public um, and asking other people to be a part of that with you. And so that's a social transition. it's um, sometimes the hardest part, right? Because that's uh, people can really struggle with that. Um, I know that was, that was probably the hardest ask when um, I made that ask of people in my life. They really struggled with it um, because there wasn't a lot of knowledge about trans people, um, even less than today. Um, and so that's one piece of transition. Um, another piece of it is um, different forms of medical transition. Um, and so there are lots of options. There's there's no one surgery for any type of trans person. There's no one magic pill, right? None of those things um, just happen overnight. Um, and it's really truly up to the trans person um, as to what they need or um, feel that is uh, necessary for their medical transition and for their, their transition to be complete, right? For them to feel like they are complete and authentically themselves. That also changes the younger people transition, right? And so if people are transitioning younger, they may not need some of the, the different interventions that someone like me needed as an adult. Um, and so... So there's a wide variety of medical processes <laughs> they go through. Um, passing has to do with both of those things. And so passing um, was the idea, um, just like, uh, you know, there's in the gay men's community, there's straight passing, right? There's lots of guys that want to date straight passing guys, <laughs> right? Or this idea of being straight passing. Um, and that's really just conforming to gender norms for men um, or for women, right? And so... Um, that used to be, like I said, when, um, you know, there was a time in our society when both being gay or lesbian or bisexual, um, and being trans were considered mental illnesses. And so during those times, uh, for trans people, you had to commit to and want to improve to a psychi- a psychiatrist, um, that you wanted to become a heterosexual person. Um, and you wanted to leave your past life behind and no longer be associated with it. Um, and only move into this new life where you were the gender identity, um, you know, that you are, um, and able to live that life. And so that was, um, you know, people also for safety reasons, still sometimes people have to pass or need to pass um, because there are lots of parts of our country where um, it's not safe to be out and to be trans, right? And so we see every single year um, there's something called the Transgender Remembrance Project, which uh, we have a day of remembrance on November 20th each year to memorialize the trans people 
who've been murdered because they're trans, right? So people have actively harmed them. Um, and those are just the ones, the people that we know about, right? So there are lots of people that are misgendered in death, um, whose families or, you know, people close to them don't want them remembered as trans people, all of that kind of stuff. And so, um, so yeah, does that help a little bit? Oh, very much. That's really yeah. Good. That's really good. I, I appreciate it. I am uh, I'm, I'm a listener of the Joe Rogan podcast, and he mm-hmm. brings on so many different folks. He had on a lady named Abigail Schreier. I imagine that you're mm-hmm. familiar with her, and she's been at the center of a lot of controversy. And um, and there's been a lot of I think that J.K. Rowling. I mentioned to Centauri. We, I was reading a little bit about her today. So um, it seems to me that 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 Ms. Schreier is concerned with young people transitioning. Um, under the pretense that it's not a permanent thing or that it, it, it's, it's reversible uh, and that her thought is that it's not reversible. So I just that's, – that's, that's in the ether. So I wanted to ask you about what, what, what your thoughts on that are, on her work. Yeah. Great, great questions. Um, there's sort of an increasing segment of uh, people that identify themselves as um, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, right? And so these are folks that – really um, have sort of looped all the way around in terms of ideology from um, feminism being something where people get to be most authentically who they are and where there should be um, freedom for everyone, right? Individual freedom to live your life as best you can and in the, the gender and roles that you believe are best for you and they shouldn't be pre-described um, by the world to you, whether that's for men, women, or trans folks or anyone else. Um, these these turf feminists have sort of got completed the circle back to biological essentialism, saying that it's actually biology that should determine who you are. Um, and so that's kind of where we started, right, with uh, working against the idea that it's biology that determines um, who you should be in society, right? We, that was the argument to keep women in the home and the whole sort of separate spheres, right, of who was that Voltaire, right, came up with the idea of separate spheres for the public sphere for men, the private sphere for women, um, you know, those, it, they're an interesting sort of group because they're, for me, what it is, is that it's, um, it is a large, a group of largely white cisgender women, um, who are typically sort of upper class to upper middle class. Um, and for me, it reminds me, I think what I think it's about is similar to white fragility, right? They're, they're not used to losing privilege or to their privilege being questioned in any way. And so for me, it's a radical response to that of saying, well, no one counts as women but us, right? And so for me, it's, you know, I think it's unfortunate because people don't wake up and say, I'm bored, so I'm going to say I'm trans, right? That's, that's not what we do. <laughs> that's just not a thing. Um, you know, we, we know that, you know, Centauri, you know, like on you know, the EQAZ board, you know, people that we could talk to anybody that we worked with and people that identify as LGBTQ came out and it was a process and it wasn't an easy one. And it's still not an easy one, right? Like it's 2020 going to be 2021 soon. And it's still not easy to be a member of our community. Um, you know, we've seen with the Trump administration, I think it's 193 different attacks on the LGBTQ community in four years. Um, and so, you know, there's a, there's a meme going around when the Supreme court has to decide on your rights. That's when, you know, um, you know or when the, the Supreme court hasn't decided on your rights and whether they're valid or not, that's when, you know, you have privilege. And so, um, you know, for me, it's these kind of feminists are actually working against the goal of feminism. Um, mm. And feminism is gender freedom for everyone and everyone being able to have that individual liberty to be authentically who they are and have no one determine who they are and what they can be in life other than yourself. Right. And so um, I find it sad. And I think I think it's a phase in terms of this smaller, very small, but vocal group of people. Um, and I hope that they can get to know trans folks and get to know that, you know, we are we are siblings and fellows in the struggle for gender equality and that trans people having equality doesn't mean that women shouldn't right mm-hmm. women's issues are still a critical part of society that need to be addressed and women have a place just like men do right and uh, a feminism that i believe in sees a place for men for women for trans folks for all of us um to make a better society for everyone i love that michael you um a lot of what you just talked about 
and you did a really good job of outlining the struggles and we can go back to that but i'm curious to know what are some bright spots happening in the community right now and where are there points of pride for both you personally and what you're seeing happening in a world that's chaotic at, at best yeah great question um i mean there are lots of bright spots so that's wonderful um we have such an incredible community um and so many amazing trans people who are out and visible in ways that we've never been before right and that's from like celebrities folks like i actually just did an interview with chris Moser this morning um who's this amazing trans guy who's this incredible athlete who help change the Olympic rules on who gets to participate in sport, you know, and uh, that's close to my heart. I played a lot of sports as a, as a young person and I know how important those were for my development and my confidence and my um, trust in myself. And that helped me come out, right? Because I did trust myself because I had uh, been a part of those kinds of activities. And so, um, you know, folks like Chris are doing amazing work in the world and just being incredible role models for every kid, right? Not just trans kids, but for cis kids too. Um, we've got more and more representation. And so we've got people like Laverne Cox and Jimmy Clayton, Janet Mock, right? Who are just totally living their best lives, pursuing their dreams to the fullest and being these amazing trans role models in the process um, and helping to create stories that are truly reflect reflective of our lives. Um, we haven't, you know, every day I get to, I get the pleasure and the honor of knowing parents of trans kids and trans kids in our own community here in Arizona. And it's just wonderful to get to see these kids. It's for who they are um, and celebrate. Oh, can you hear me still? You cut out a little bit there. I think it might be your Air, Air, AirPods. 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 Yeah, sometimes these do that. Sorry, y'all. There we go. Um, You're all good. You're great. Okay. I can go back to the um, – another bright spot is, you know, getting to know um, – because of my job, getting to know the parents of trans kids and trans kids and getting to see them living their best lives, their most authentic selves and having their families be totally on board with that, which is just beautiful and amazing. Um, and they don't have to go through some of the things that I had to go through, which is delightful to see. Um, I can't wait to see what that generation grows up to become, right? <laughs> and get to see all the amazing things that they do in the world. Um, you know, I think for, for a lot of us, our hope is that they don't have to fight these battles. They just get to go and be the people that they want to be. <laughs> um, that's the hope anyway. Um, you know, other bright spots, I mean, I love being a part of the LGBTQ community. I think it's one of the best things about my life, being trans and being queer. Um, it lets me decide exactly what I want my life to be, and I get to be the main arbiter for that. Um, and so I feel a lot of freedom and a lot of joy being a part of our community. Um, and I think we're, you know, an, a really critical part of this society that's doing a lot to advance the ideas of what individual freedom looks like in our society today. Um, and so I take a lot of pride in being a part of that and, and just a lot of joy in being a part of our community because we are very good at caring for one another um, and about caring for other people, which I think is a hard thing in this time, right? We live in a, a more divisive time than than I can recall <laughs> in, in my life. Um, and I think there's a lot to learn from LGBT people and the empathy that we extend one another and other people. Um, I think that's, you know, one of the most important things we can do today is um, get to know each other, get to know other folks, extend the empathy and the allyship that, that we ask for and, and that we practice with one another. Amen. I think that the more empathetic and the more kind we can be to one another, um, there's never not a need for that. In fact, to your point, I think we need that more yeah. now than ever. And I, I mean, thank you so much for your work and because you are trailblazing and yeah. we're, we're at this inflection point where it's really, it's, it's so hard and there's anger on probably every side and there's confusion about everything and people are freaking the F out in some areas and, ah, um, but uh, that's just how change happens. That's how that's how the sausage is made. It's 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 not always not always a pretty thing. Um, there's there's a couple things that 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 I'm going to be honest that that I'm struggling with. I I struggle with the idea of of a if of of a man transitioning to a woman and then uh, participating in sports. Mm -hmm. I, I I I'm struggling with that. So I'd I'd love to. <laughs> talk a little bit about that. And the second yeah. thing is I'm struggling with that, that 
as a parent wanting to help my kids and if 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 one of my sons came to me when he was five or whatever age and he said, you know, I'm, I'm a girl and I want to have the surgery, that would be so hard. Um, it would just be really, really hard. And I don't know how I would handle that. Um, it's like you talk about being the grown up in the room and I talk about I, I work in finance and I talk about how I don't want my kids to make stupid decisions about taking on student loan debt because that's going to harm them. And so what if it's just a phase and that could be a terrible thing that I just said, I'm just being honest. What if it's a phase and I don't want them to, to make a decision that, that, that maybe that they would go through. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are two of the things that I'm really struggling with. Yeah. Those are really, really timely and really important conversations. So I'm really glad you brought them up. Which one do you want to start with? Um, (laughs) let's, (laughs) let's start with sports. You got it. Um, so this is a really great topic and I'm excited that we're able to have this conversation, especially in light that, um, Arizona was one of the 19 states that had a trans athlete ban bill, um, drop last session, um, in the, in the legislature in the spring. Um, you know, trans people have been using the bathroom with cis people, playing sports with cis people, doing all of those things for very, a very long time. Um, and so in many ways, this is a, a non-controversy um, being blown up into a controversy because we've been a part of sports in um, both before we transitioned and after we transitioned for a very long time. Um, and so the good thing is, is that there are, um, you know, sports is a very forward thinking world in a lot of ways and that's exciting. Um, and so the, the sort of the, uh, rule regulating bodies um, for sports from the Olympic level down um, and even the professional level have already thought about this and they actually have um, really great guidelines that ensure fairness in sports because you know a core tenet of sports is fairness right we want people of same abilities right of our like abilities competing against one another um that's why you don't have little leaguers playing professional baseball teams right <laughs> so, <Yeah>. so <laughs> you know that's a key part of sports um i think something that's really important to know is that um you know when someone transitions that's a massive process on your body um i went through a second puberty that totally changed just about everything that could be changed at that point about my body. If it would have been earlier in my life, which in some ways I wish it would have, I would have been taller, right? And that's like the one thing that didn't change because I had already passed that phase in life. <laughs> everything else changed. My muscle mass, right? Like all of those sorts of things. Um, hormones are super powerful and they they do influence, you know, a lot of the things um, that people are concerned about in sports. And so um, when a trans woman transitions, she becomes a woman hormonally, right? And so, and, and in every other way, um, but her body is, you know, then it's, she has the hormones that any girl or woman would have, you know, during that phase in her life. And that changes everything about her physiology. Um, and so, so I think that, you know, the, there, there aren't trans people who, um, or there aren't people who are claiming a trans identity just to win at sports. That doesn't happen. You know, that's, and in fact, um, what we're actually seeing as, as these conversations are happening, um, is that trans girls, right. Um, or trans women, once they've transitioned, they're going through that process, maybe even before, who knows, we don't have that data, um, are still losing to cisgender girls in sports, right. (laughs) There it's, it's, there's no like dominate of the field right? because um, these are trans girls um, they become just like any other trans girl with the same you know range of natural athletic ability um, and talent that cisgender girls have um, and so so it's good to see that and I know that can you know sometimes you know parents can get upset because maybe their girl their daughter was cut from a girl's team um, and sometimes when that person is a trans girl that replaces them they're using that trans identity right as the reason why their daughter was cut but let's be honest for all of us that played sports there's a time when our sports careers ended (laughs) right there's a time when we were no longer competitive enough to be on a team that happened for me that happens for everybody right whether that's about age um, or just about not having the talent to play at that level Um, and so you know the best thing that sports taught me was how to be good at winning and losing in life and how to be great how to have some grace around that and how to learn um, that I have a lot of skill 
And it's okay if I don't have the skill to play at that next level, there's still contributions I can make, right? By either being a fan or supporting my team members or my former team members, there's there's a role for all of us to play. And so sportsmanship is the best thing about sports. And I think that's the lesson to be learned is no matter who replaces us on the team, um, no matter who we're competing against, it's how we show up to that competition that actually matters, right? It's the values we bring. Um, and ultimately you know like i said the the biological concerns um aren't there um, because when someone transitions those things totally change um so i hope that answers that question a little bit Fair enough thank you okay <laughs> yeah absolutely and let's just seamlessly transition to the next question <laughs> okay let's do it uh, all right so that you that, know, that was not intentional wordplay that's <laughs> okay that was great <laughs> i like it good good job good job george yes <laughs> uh, you know medical transition is a <laughs> medical transition is a serious thing you know and that um that is something that i think both trans kids and parents have to weigh like any other medical d- decision right and so um, there are lots of ways you can support your child in being trans um, without going to that surgery level. And in fact, I think the vast majority of surgeons, um, and in part because children's bodies aren't fully developed until they are adults, um, they don't do things like genital surgery on children. Um, that, that doesn't happen because um, those parts still need to develop, right? <laughs> Just to even be able to do that surgery. Um, and so that's... Luckily, I think um, that's um, not not really a factor in the actual transition process for children. Um, there are things like puberty blockers um, and uh, things you horm- basically hormones that you can take to block the hormone process you would go through um, as uh, as the gender you were assigned at birth, um, which can be so psychologically important for children um, because it means that uh, the parts of our bodies that we're super uncomfortable with, if we go through those hormone, that hormonal process of puberty, um, don't develop in the same way. And so it makes um, being ourselves and feeling comfortable in our bodies much more possible um, and um, can alleviate a lot of the sort of psychological stress of puberty, right? Um, so for a trans person, for me at least, uh, when when I hit puberty, whew, that was that was that first puberty was a rough time in my life because it felt like my body was betraying me, um, mm-hmm. and it just I just felt so lost in my own body and so um, uncomfortable all the time. And so those puberty blockers can be a really positive part of a trans person's experience. Um, But again, those are not prescribed without very serious medical consultation between doctors, parents, and children um, and very serious conversations. Um, And they aren't that isn't um, hormones um, that you would take as a part of hormone replacement therapy, um, which happens later, right? And so that's what I took to go through a second puberty, um, and that you know gave me facial hair and deepened my voice significantly and um, brought on all of these other changes. Uh, changed my hairline pretty intensely, which uh, I worry about still. <laughs> all of those sorts of things um, that comes later. Um, but those, those puberty blockers, (laughs) the the puberty blockers can also be stopped, right? So if a, if a child decides, you know, which, which also doesn't really happen, that's not, not a thing, um, where children are really committed to being trans and then they're like, oh, I'm kidding. That was just a phase. Um, but if that did happen, you could always stop taking the puberty blockers. So, um, does that help a little bit? It does. Thank you. Okay. That was super important. Michael, um, you've given us like quite an education in the, the 45 minutes we've been on, but I'm curious to know what else would you, what else should people know? What do you wish people knew about uh, the community or you or, or the movement? Gosh, that's, that is a great question too. Um, you know, I wish people would take the time to get to know trans people um, so they could know that our community, that our movement is one that's really just about creating a world that's safe for everybody to be who they are, um, you know, and for that to be 
something that is celebrated for gender diversity to be something that's um, celebrated and something that's seen and something that's seen as what it is a normal part of human life and experience. And so, you know, I want all the same things that most people do. You know, I want a good career. I want a family that's happy and healthy and safe and secure. Um, you know, I want a, a home that feels comfortable and nice, you know, like all of those things. I want to take a vacation, you know, once or twice a year and be able to, <laughs> to have a little time off with the people I love. You know, those are those are all the things that, you know, that, that I want that a lot of other people can relate to. Um, a good cocktail at the end of the day, you know, whatever those things are. Yes. Or at Coffee 12 o'clock. <laughs> that works. Whatever. <laughs> it's quarantine life. Nothing. There's no time. Um, but, you know, I really wish that people that cisgender folks knew that, that we, we're not a threat to, to you, to society. We're a part of society and we'll be a happier and healthier society when everybody has the true ability to be the people that they are and to pursue all of the things that make us happy and healthy adults in life from career and school to family and, you know, to all of the things that make us happy, healthy people. Do you, um, is there anything else that you feel like, especially as it relates to something that's local, like Arizona wise, that you want to bring up that's top of mind? I don't know if there's any like particular legislation or nationally. I'm just curious about as we definitely go towards uh, November of this year, I know there's probably a lot going through your mind, but anything that you think the listeners or viewers should know um, or be aware of? Absolutely. Uh, yesterday, a federal bill dropped um, that is actually a trans athlete ban. Um, and so it's important that we understand that that's happening. Um, and that um, even though the rhetoric that they're using, right, is to protect women and girls in sports, that's not what it would do. Um, is that it would actively ban people from participating in the wonderful benefits of sports. Um, these bills, just like the one um, that was uh, put forward at the Arizona legislature in the spring, often also have things like genetic testing or genital inspections for children, which is just wrong, and we should not wow. do those things, wow. right? Wow. Yeah, so talk about invasive government, right? Um, we don't want that. So, um, so I think that's important to know that that's happening at the federal level. Um, our legislature is not in session right now, which we're always thankful when it's not. Um, it makes life <laughs> a little easier. Um, <laughs> uh, but I do fully anticipate, you know, um, if well, I do. If we don't flip the two houses um, to a Democratic majority, or at least tie the the majorities in both houses, I definitely anticipate another round of very anti-LGBTQ bills. We had seven that dropped um, this past year, this past session. Uh, Missouri was the largest. I think they had 17 or 19 that dropped. Um, they fought each of those off. Um, so I want people to be prepared that if we don't flip the houses or tie the houses, we're going to need people to show up and to say, you know, as cisgender allies, as uh, straight allies, and as LGBTQ people, that that's not the Arizona we want to live in, where government gets to um, require genital inspections for children to play sports, or where government gets to say, you know, who's deserving of, you know, basic medical care or any of those things. And so, um, so that's something to look out for. You know, the election, this is a critical election. Um, I'm very worried about our democracy. You know, President Trump's statements yesterday were super concerning um, about a transition of power, mm -hmm. uh, not peaceful um, and not being allowed to happen. Um, we also know that the Trump administration has been has not been an ally for the LGBTQ community, right, and has done a lot of harm to our community. The most recent of which is the um, the basically banning of uh, trans people or not requiring um, homeless shelters um, and services for people in really um, intense need to treat trans people with dignity and respect, right, and mm. so. Um, anyone who's in that kind of vulnerable position should be afforded the same kind of services and help that everyone gets, right? Because that's just, that's a bad stroke of luck in life and everybody needs help sometimes. And so that shouldn't be dependent on gender identity. Um, right. You know, those, those kinds of things are really critical um, to keep in mind as we're voting, uh, because there are people who are running for office that believe that things like conversion therapy and torture should not happen right they, they think that doing that to children is wrong right um that's something we should be able to get behind i think like torturing children 
we don't want that. Um, that's not about religious freedom, right? That's about abuse. Um, so, you know, for, for me, it's, it's really do the homework and see, you know, mm. who has committed to standing up for the rights and individual freedoms of every Arizonan and every American. Um, you can actually go to the Equality Arizona website and look on our endorsements, um, as well as our ballot walkthrough, which we'll have up by end of day tomorrow um, to actually see what we're recommending in terms of voting and why. Um, and we, we're doing that from presidential level down to judges um, to try to let people know, um, you know, just how people have behaved in office um, and if that's in line with their values as an LGBT person or as an ally to the community. And so, um, you know, but the most important thing is register to vote. Um, October 5th is the deadline here in Arizona. Um, so please register to vote and just participate there are so many people that don't participate in our elections and mm -hmm. that results in really really just destructive things for our democracy and so please register to vote make sure your family and friends are registered to vote um, get your mail-in ballots or go to the polls the day of and protect yourself wear a mask um, if you need PPE to go to the polls, Equality Arizona will provide that to you. We'll mail them to you. So we'll mail you a mask, um, a marker to use, and hand sanitizer. Um, so, you know, just participate. Um, it's one of the most important things we can do as Americans. Um, and it's, uh, you know, voting is, uh, well, it's a civic sacrament, right? It's, it's a sacred act in a lot of ways. It's a critical part of who we are as a people. And so please register um, and make sure that you're voting. Michael, one of the things I appreciate of that you just said um, was making it about value. So I think one, one of the things that a lot of us are struggling with, and we will have conversations with um, guests in the future about this, is this idea of like separating values and ideology from any particular party. So you didn't name a party or anything. You said, like, what are your values and do they align to these folks? Um, exactly. I think we're, we're in a part, we're in a, a, a critical part of this nation where those things are getting conflated a lot. And so thank you for making that that statement that you did. Of course, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think it's I think it's really dangerous anytime we, um, one, get too ideologically locked in, right? Because that closes our minds instead of opens it, <laughs> no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Um, so that's, that's something to always be working against. Um, but it's also really dangerous to assume that any one party is the antidote to anything, right? Like it's, it's not about political parties, it's about as citizens, knowing what our values are and then voting for people that will represent those values in government. And that's what creates a healthy society. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Last Any question. Time. What is actually true? Oh, what is actually true? Oh, good question. You know, what is actually true is that we're all human beings doing the best we can. And if we have a little more love for each other, a little more empathy for each other, a little more compassion for each other, that's going to go a long way for trans people, for cis people. That's going to go a long way in terms of, of race and ethnicity. That's going to go a long way in terms of religion, in political thought, in every aspect of life. And so I think that's, you know, something that I try to remind myself on a daily basis is that we're all human beings doing the best we can and right now under pretty intense circumstances <laughs> and uh, you know the more we can just listen and the more we can have empathy and and try to hear what someone's actually saying right a lot of people when they start talking the things that they're actually talking about aren't necessarily the talking points that they're hearing from media or political parties or politicians there are other things happening and so ask people you know mm. and hear something instead of you know, letting it be this massive trigger and then making it this weird ideological argument, ask people what they're actually afraid of, you know, or like what's really stressing you out, you know, like bring it down to a real level and be like, I hear that. What do you actually, what's really causing this fear though? You know, like what's underneath that um, or what's causing you stress right now? And like, take it to a different level. You're going to have a much more human conversation and, and one where you're going to find a bridge that you're going to be able to build. Um, I think, you know, whether you're on the political right or left or in between right now, we got to be a lot more committed to seeing each other as people and understanding mm -hmm. that everyone is really stressed and living under hard times right now, no matter who you are, it's just not easy. And so we got to leave some of this ideological, you know, commitment behind on all sides and start getting back to people as human beings and building relationships. One of the scariest things I see right now is cancel culture and people kicking people out of their lives that don't 100% agree with them. 
oh gosh, I can't think of anything more dangerous, right? That is not a pluralistic society. That's not a society that creates diversity and celebrates diversity in the way that our country is meant to, right? And so we gotta, we have to really work against that. And it's okay if people disagree with you, you know, it is, that's a part of life. And we got to build stronger muscles for disagreement and still having empathy, compassion, and building relationships with people. Um, that's a muscle that has just gone away. That's well amazing, said. Michael. Yeah. Well, Thanks, Michael, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Uh, it was delightful. It's always good it's to be awesome. with you. I love your show. I'm always happy to be a guest and I'm a, a frequent listener. So thank you so much for doing the work you do. Yeah, thank you. And where, where can people learn more about you? Um, they can go to the Equality Arizona website. Um, they can learn about me uh, as an, a person and a professional, as well as our work as an organization. And most importantly, they can learn how to get involved um, to help protect our democracy and make sure that everybody's participating in it. Love it. And what is the actual website? The website is equalityarizona.org. Excellent. Well, Michael, thank you again. Thank you. It's so good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. And thanks, as always, for listening. Go to Equality Arizona. And uh, this is um, we're recording this video or recording the show on Thursday. It will be going live tomorrow on Friday. And so the website with all the um, all the information on the voting will be up probably tomorrow evening. So thanks, as always, for listening. And remember, keep questioning because the struggle is real. On behalf of Centauri and I, thanks, as always, for listening. Please subscribe to the show. Leave us a review and feel free to share the show on social media. Thanks a lot.